0: Hello and welcome to Liz Collin Reports, a place for meaningful Minnesota conversations. On the podcast today, we welcome Leah Isaacson. She is the founder of First Response Actors. It's a bit of a crisis training and acting all rolled into one. But Leah, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Liz. So glad to be here. I
0: know we've been having conversations kind of offline for a while now, so I'm very excited to have you in studio to talk about what it is you do. And let's start there with this First Response Actors. What is the goal and what is it that you do?
1: Yeah, so I sort of have been doing crisis acting for a long time, for about eight years, and I really saw a need for a company that was just primarily actors. So I work with departments, um, anything like that, like law enforcement, first responders, and I basically cater their scenarios to them, and then I provide the actors. So you admit, Leah, that you didn't know much about law enforcement or first responders when you started
0: this eight years ago. You've certainly learned a lot now along the way.
1: Yes, I always, always had a respect for law enforcement. Obviously, my mom's a probation officer. I mean, she always, you know, told me the rules of what to do. Um, So I was taught right that way. But yes, um, it definitely opened my eyes in a realm, though, where I really get a firsthand experience of what they do on the day to day. And it really, it blew my mind. We have some
0: videos uh, that we're going to show, but these are pretty dramatic scenarios that many of us don't even consider on a day-to-day basis, but that's the whole point of these first responders. They have to consider the what-ifs and the, and the tragedies. Uh, but just talk about that, uh, about a lot of these different things um, that you're doing, that you're teaching them to cope with.
1: Sure. So it's basically somebody going through a mental health crisis um, in and Sadly, it does happen a lot, and it's a lot of calls like that. So it's suicidal people. It's somebody maybe who's schizophrenic off their meds, um, somebody who maybe is actually even high on meth. Um, and it's basically them trying to learn how to uh, verbally de-escalate somebody without – it, and it's a safe environment. They get the time. That's the point of the training. They get the time. They're allowed the time to just talk to this person, take breaks, talk with their peers, see what's working, see what's not working. It's pretty, pretty amazing.
0: And intense too, and wh- and talk about that. Why is it important for, for a department or for an agency to go with someone like yourself and not
1: one of their their peers? Really, the whole point here is to be as realistic as possible, right? Absolutely. So I think that's a that's a good point. Uh, all the feedback that we always get is, you know, it's amazing to have real actors and professional actors come in who take it seriously because we don't break character. We're in character the entire time. And when you're when you're training with your peers and you're working with your peers, you know, you can joke around and. And things like that, but we're definitely there to do a job, and we're professional about it. doesn't mean we don't have fun, but we definitely stay in character, which really just makes that scenario even more realistic.
0: I know you just completed Leah training of HCMC security, but talk about that experience.
1: Yeah, so I I got in contact with a security officer there who wanted to bring some crisis intervention training um, to their other security officers, so they led the class, and they wanted an actor, and I came in, and I actually worked with them to create their scenarios, and sometimes it would be the day of where they said, hey, this happened, and can you can you portray this person doing X, Y, Z? And I, I have the skill set to do that, which is an experience which is exciting, and it was very eye-opening to see what a security officer at um, HCMC Downtown does.
0: And a timely topic as well, after we saw the chaos that ensued and played out on the July 4th weekend, specifically the the 4th of July.
1: What was your takeaway
0: from from that experience? Because you were there during essentially that same time.
1: Yes, so I was there the next day doing a training. So that was July 5th, and it was still kind of the aftermath of that. They were very short-staffed, which seems like, you know, obviously that's what's happening now. Everybody's short-staffed. They don't have time. They're going to call after call. And so we were in the training, and we even had to end a little bit early because things were you know, quote-unquote popping off, meaning, I mean, things were happening. They needed every, all hands on deck. So it was an interesting eye-opening experience. They just go through a lot, and they work a lot of hours, and I really respect them.
0: Security-wise, too, they're making improvements with bulletproof glass, things that a lot of us don't even uh, consider. There are, there are fights
1: or gang members out on the, the streets that they're dealing with uh, as well. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. When I started working there, it was I worked there for throughout a month and a half, and— The one day I walked in, I'm like, oh, you guys are construction. There's you're changing up the lobby. Oh, we're finally getting bulletproof glass. And, you know, it's crazy to think about um, because you don't think about it. I mean, if you're not in it and you're not seeing it on the day to day, you don't really know what these people do. You don't know what first responders experience. And I'm lucky in that sense that I get to experience that. And it, it just makes my point of view just a little bit different
0: walk us through some of this video that you shared with us from this HCMC um, training session. But first you have a a person on meth in the lobby.
1: Yes. So uh, they have a lobby area obviously, and they have a front desk person and they kind of, that's where you check in with any hospital really. And they have a lot of um, people outside that kind of are homeless on, on drugs, whatever it may be. And they wander into the lobby. And so I portrayed a character that's high on meth and, sort of having a psychotic sort of drug-induced breakdown of, oh, I think the government is following me um, and trying to kill me. And so they had to de-escalate me in that sense. And they, they took the time to do it. And I will say these scenarios last probably about 10 minutes. It, that doesn't seem that long, but that is a long time because they, they are going from call to call, and they did an amazing job de-escalating.
0: And also a suicidal person on the parking ramp.
1: Right. So which does happen. And there were uh, very uh, realistic stories of they told me a story where recently they had somebody that was about to jump off the parking ramp. And luckily, I believe that person decided not to jump. But yes, so I play a suicidal person that's about to jump off the parking ramp. And I kind of tweak my backstory every time. But it's usually obviously there's no hope for these people. And that's why you know suicide seems like the only answer. Um, And they have to de-escalate me and try to give me help.
0: What kind of mental toll has this taken on these security guards you're you're talking about? Again, we've talked about how MPD is short-staffed, security short-staffed at HCMC. But what does that do to the psyche uh, of a a person like that who are seeing these scenarios play out in real life on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I speak from my experience. Obviously, I, I don't do their job, but I think it's absolutely exhausting. I think it's exhausting to do a day-to-day job like that and not be able to really comprehend the interaction you just had because you're just go 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 it's just one thing to the next and that decompression and that that personal time um I really hope they take it but I get that it's it's hard and when you're short staffed it's like hey can you can you pick up three more three more hours and you've already been working 12 um but they they seem like they have a really awesome crew there that's pretty tight knit so
0: and so many of these problems come post-George Floyd, and I know you have your own um, stories about that as well. You were kind of canceled in a way, but you had many people who worked as actors simply quit. They didn't want to train, you said, law enforcement anymore.
1: Right, yeah. That was um, obviously after George Floyd, a lot of a lot of people reached out to me. I had friends that are not friends with me anymore um, because I want to work with law enforcement and I support law enforcement um just because one person did something does not trickle down to absolutely every single human being i mean that goes for any job so yes we lost a ton of actors in another company um i have lost a lot of friends it's interesting being in the acting world too and being pro law enforcement but you find your you find your people but it's been it's been a wild couple years
0: so specifically this crisis intervention training i know is very important to you and in a way you've said it's it's needed now more than ever
1: Right, I, I, hundred percent believe that. I have done this for so many, so many years, and this training has been around for quite a long time, which I don't think people realize. Um, but it's, I think it's just coming more to the forefront, and people are kind of learning more about it because it is so needed. I mean, mental health is a huge thing now, and, and a lot of people have, you know, are off their meds. I mean, it's a, big, it's a big crisis. It, it is, and in law enforcement, are the first responders. They're usually the first to get called in situations like this. So it's important in the sense of, you know, the characters I play, I want them, you know, to be realistic because I want the law enforcement officer also to be able to talk to this person. And obviously each scenario is different. Each situation is different and safety is always number one, but that's what, that's what we try to do.
0: And you have said even in the eight years that you've been doing this, that training has, has come a long way.
1: It has. Um, The eight years I've done this and the way it's the verbal, the verbal skills have come a long way. And that sounds silly, but it's just taking the time to, I mean, it's really just talking to somebody. That's all it is. It's building rapport with somebody, building trust with someone, which seems difficult, but it really isn't. If you're just listening to somebody and having an engaged conversation in a safe environment, again, these scenarios are not anything about tactics. This is all talking. Um, It's just quite amazing. What is it that you want people to
0: know about those you've trained so far in law enforcement and first responders? Again, it's a profession we've seen demonized.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I want to say is, first of all, I would say thank you. And a lot of people do support you. And I think it's absolutely outrageous what has happened. Um, I think it's it's disheartening because you see what's even happening in Minneapolis. I mean, all of these these narratives and these policies and everything that's going on— this is, I mean, innocent people are suffering because of it. People are are literally dying, getting hurt. I mean, it's it's crazy to me. And I just, I hope they still stay strong and do it. I think it's it's difficult because I think in some ways their hands are tied, um, depending on the departments and the policies, like I said. But um, we really do respect you. And, and that's exactly why I wanted to make this company, too, because I, I I respect law enforcement and I want it to be the best training for them.
0: And all of this, in a way, hits home for you, Too, because of what happened in your own family, Leah.
1: Right, absolutely. So my dad um, did commit suicide when I was about ten years old, Mm -hmm. and you know, it never really dawned on me the work that I was doing was sort of giving sort of light to just my own experiences with with that loss. It's huge. Um, Suicide is something that I do really um, have a passion to talk about because it's such a ripple effect of who it affects. Um, when somebody does decide to kill themselves. And it's, I just hope that when I do play a suicidal person that maybe on the street or wherever it is in real life, I hope, um, you know, my characters can help somebody one day.
0: And talk about that process, just getting into character. I'm sure it's impossible to to ignore sort of the, <laughs> the personal level, but are you watching television shows? Like a lot yeah. of us are like, you know, how do you, how can you even
1: yeah, it's a great <laughs> get into character? It's a great question. I think the number one question somebody always asks me is, How do you make yourself cry? Um, And that's, you know, acting is, every actor is different. I think for me personally, I really try to think about this character and try to put myself in their shoes, and that's all I try to do. You know, I've never been suicidal myself. I've never been on meth. I'm not, you know, on psych meds. So, I mean, how do you you play something realistic that you've never experienced yourself? Um, Videos, obviously YouTube, and I've also done quite a few ride-alongs, and I think that gives you a firsthand experience of, what you're, what you're portraying. If people want more information about first response actors, where should we go? Yes, exactly. So my website at firstresponseactors.com and there's an email there and just email me and we can get that acting in and we can get the training going. And there's a few different
0: options, three-day trainings, five-day trainings.
1: Yeah. So I partner with pre-hospital crisis care company as well, and they actually put on a full CIT training for three days. So that's including coaches, presentations, and things like that. But if you're just looking for actors, then reach out to me personally.
0: Well, Leah Isaacson, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all the important work that you do.
1: Thanks so much, Liz.
0: Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll be back again soon. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify or any other podcast platform. If you could give us a five star rating while you're at it there, we'd be grateful. We'll see you next time.